Welcome to Pods Like Us. I'm Martin Quibble, known to my friends as Marv, and this time I'm speaking with M from Verbal Diorama. Hey, Em, thanks for speaking with me today. Hello, Marv. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? It's almost as though we've not spoken for the last 10 minutes before starting. I know. I know. It's almost like you have to pretend, don't you, that this is literally the first time we've met and you have to go, oh, hello. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? You know, all of the kind of general niceties. Yes, we have been talking for about 10 minutes before we started recording, but I'm I'm very well. Thank you. And um, I'm very happy to be here as well. Me too. Before we start with the the first bit that we're going to go into, I do love the uh, the title because I'm one of those people who... I have a knowledge of what diorama is all about, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I I love those things. It's like it's like when I've been to to um, to like museums and things. I've I've always from childhood liked those um, liked even those little um, circle things where you you sort of look through mm-hmm. there and it spins round and you get like a film that goes and it's just like drawings and I like that and then I like all those like little. Uh, I've seen them where people, when I was a kid, they used to have like the, like it was a scene. It almost looked like a small miniature like stage. And you'd have like these bits of paper that you'd pull and characters that move in and out and whatever. And which, you know, I I just love the idea of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly where the name came from. Pretty much exactly. The idea of a verbal diorama is this kind of verbal exploration of film. Uh, in, in its rudimentary form, obviously, you know, I don't talk about individual scenes per se, yeah. but um, yeah, the 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 name is going to be something that I'm always going to be the most proud of because I I genuinely think it is a great name for a film podcast. Yeah, if only your transcription software didn't keep thinking you were saying verbal diarrhea, though. I know, I know. Well, you know, one day the transcription software will catch up with the name. Uh, <laughs> but um yeah it to be honest the original idea for the name was verbal diarrhea but then i realized no one wants to listen to a podcast with poo in the title no. uh it's just it's just not but you know that kind of stemmed from my ability to just constantly talk uh but verbal diorama just it just makes a hell of a lot more sense don't you think it really does yeah and I'm hoping that people will have looked up and think, oh, what's a diorama? People that might not know, look it up and then suddenly be interested in finding out more, hopefully. Yeah, I hope so. Me too. So our first introduction to each other was, although I'll, I'll, I will say one thing, I've actually had verbal diorama in my list of shows to check out now for about for about two years. And I'm glad I've checked them out at last. It's been in my queue for, for ages. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm glad you got round to it eventually. <laughs> but yeah, it's and but the thing is, there's so many amazing podcasts out there. Let's be honest. Uh and and I expect 
I've been in a similar boat with other podcasts before. I thought, yeah, I will listen. I've got them in my queue. I'll listen to them. And there's so many amazing podcasts out there. And you've only got one set of ears and your one hour, half an hour, however long you've got in your day to listen. Um, so, you know, that not everyone can listen to everything. I get that. Um, but I, I'm really glad that two years down the line, <laughs> you finally had a go. <laughs> two years this some I've had in the queue a lot longer than that but there we go <laughs> but you've done a good transition there saying there are so many podcasts out there oh, and our first chatting with each other was about the uh, independent podcast awards that you're sort of in charge of and set up. <laughs> well I mean I wouldn't say I'm in charge per se I would say that we we have a really great team it's a collaboration between Verbal Diorama and Why Now, which is a media company down in London. Yeah. And um, I basically had this idea um, to celebrate independent podcasts and to set up this awards. And there was no way that I was going to be able to do it alone. Uh, so I got in touch with Why Now uh, through uh, a mutual friend who happens to work there. And um, and yeah, it. It's something that's been in the pipeline for such a long time. And it's been something that we've not, I've not really been allowed to say anything about because it was not confirmed for such a long time. Because obviously it's it's still because it's why now's involved and they are a business and they've obviously invested money and all of that into this. Um had to be signed off by, you know, managers, etc. Um and yeah, it it we finally got the go-ahead at the start of the year, and then it's it's really happened very quickly it seems to have happened very quickly since then um but it really is purely for the independent podcast community of the uk and ireland to highlight the absolutely incredible independent podcasts that we have here in the uk and ireland um i know so many of them personally um uh, and you know i know that from my my point of view as a independent podcaster myself we don't set out to get recognition uh independent podcasters literally what we do is every week we get together you know if if obviously you host with with different people um do your own research do your own editing do your own marketing all of that stuff that all of these big corporate podcasts they have these huge teams of people doing that you know you listen to a big corporate podcast and it's so and so did our editing so and so does our social media so and so does our producer and but an independent podcast they're responsible for all of that themselves and by god they deserve the absolute massive amount of recognition that they just don't seem to get from you know the big kind of more corporate facing award shows and that's not to say that independent podcasters can't win at those awards because we know that they can but I think it was important for us to kind of have the independent podcast awards as a as like a, the the indie alternative to you know the likes of the big corporate award shows it's like every it's like podcasting in general everyone's got a space at the table and that's really important to highlight is ev everyone has space at the table. There's no such thing as too many podcasts and there's certainly no such thing as too many, uh, too much recognition for the independent podcast arena, as far as I'm concerned anyway. So that's basically why it exists and where it came from. <laughs> and uh, uh, and 
entries are currently open. Um, they are going to be open. It's actually been extended because of the amazing response and due to the demand and everything. So we've actually extended to the 14th of July, 2023. Okay. So, um, yeah, obviously, anyone listening, if you're interested, make sure you get your entries in by the 14th of July uh, at independentpodcastawards.com. Um, and yeah, it's really exciting. It's really exciting to see, you know, the entries coming in. Uh, we've got a little spreadsheet that updates with the number of entries. And it's it's honestly, it's the most exciting thing that I think I've ever done in my life. It's amazing. Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, you know, there aren't too, there aren't, there's no such thing as too many podcasts because I, I think that the more scope there is out there, the more likely there is of there being a show out there for everybody to find. The more that you've got that, because I, I said to somebody, you know, what, what was the analogy I used recently? I said, you, th- you, throw a, you throw a stone into the waters of the podcasting world and it'll just ripple across how many film podcasts there are, for instance, mm-hmm. out there. But I said that each one of those has its own individuality. So if you as a listener are, are looking for a podcast that's about film, and you listen to one and it there's something about it that doesn't quite fit with you as a listener. Don't don't be discouraged. There's plenty more choice there, and there will be a show for you. I'm pretty sure of that. Oh, absolutely, 100 percent And you know, it is people's tastes are very different. It's like, you know, there's not that's why not everyone likes the same films, just to you know, use the same analogy. Not everyone likes the same TV shows. You could recommend a film or a TV show to a friend. And you might love it, but they might think it's a bit meh and, you know, it's not for them. Podcasts are exactly the same thing. No one has ever said there's too many TV shows and too many movies in the world. Movies get released every single year, thousands and thousands. No one ever says there's too many movies. So in my mind, podcasting is exactly the same. And, you know, I... I I always kind of welcome, um, and and it's something that I have done in the past, Um, you know, if anyone is looking to kind of um, start their own podcast and they're not really sure, like, where to start, because, you know, there's a lot of advice out there. There's a lot of do this, do that. Um, I've always kind of been quite open and said, you know, if anyone does want to, you know, DM me on Twitter or whatever. And I'm I'm really happy to kind of talk them through it and sort of give them a baseline kind of this is what you need to do to start. Because in my mind, it's only ever going to benefit the podcasting community as it stands to have more podcasts than less. Because the more podcasts that are out there, the more people that are eventually going to listen, get exposed to podcasts, listen to other podcasts. Um, because not everyone listens to podcasts. Um, my parents, for example, <laughs> I'm still struggling to get them to listen, and it's been four years. So, yeah. um, you know, there's always going to be ears out there, um, and people should never be dissuaded from doing something that they think they're going to really enjoy. Um, so, yeah, let's let's get more of them. Let's get more podcasts. Definitely. So, when people go go online, then what do they do? They find are there like different categories for for people to vote or to put themselves forward for? 
Yeah. So um, basically, I think there's 18 categories, Um, things like arts and culture, technology, true crime, books, film and TV, obviously. Um, And um, and people podcasts can put themselves forward for as many categories as they like. Um, And uh, we were always quite mindful of cost as well. So the um, there's. So the fee for the first category that you enter is is £30. And then if you want to enter any additional categories, it's uh, £5 per additional category. Um, There's also two free categories as well, which are best podcast artwork and best podcast jingle. Um, And those categories are free to enter as long as you've entered at least one paid for category so the the podcast jingle and the artwork categories i mean they're flying because loads of people love to enter free categories and loads of people have great jingles and great artwork so um so yeah we wanted to have some free categories in there it's also important to mention as well we do have um access to something called the podcast seriously sorry podcasting seriously fund let me get that right the podcasting seriously fund um which is basically um anyone who is uh, a person of color lgbtq any kind of marginalized group can apply to podcasting seriously um which will actually pay for their entry fees um because Diversity and inclusion in these awards is really important to us. Um, And there is sometimes a barrier there for cost for people. Maybe they can't quite afford to sign up. So we've partnered with Podcasting Seriously to, you know, kind of remove that barrier uh, and to kind of say, you know, if anyone, we do want to obviously open these awards up to people of colour, to the LGBTQ community, um, things like that is is actually really important to us to make sure that these awards are as diverse and inclusive as possible. So um, that is also an option as well for anyone who maybe is a little bit concerned about the costs, but kind of falls into those categories, um, then the option is there for you to apply for funding, um, which again is something that I think we at the awards, we're really proud of, actually, you know, to kind of have that partnership there um, to uh, to to basically try and get as many people, many podcasts as possible entering the awards who might not necessarily think that they have a seat at the table, who might be put off by cost, who might be worried about, you know, um, the levels of diversity and all of that sort of stuff. We want to take away any of those issues um so yeah there's there's information on the website about the podcasting seriously fund as well that's good to know so we'll get we'll give you details about that at the end oh and believe yes. me we're going to touch on the show music jingles thing later on <laughs> okay <laughs> I, I love your your show music um and and it's all the guitars at the back of me i'm a lover of music oh so, yeah so we see so one thing that I really like about your show is that it it it, run, it runs the gamut of all the different genres and everything, really. It's, mm-hmm. But it's also any time as well. So you'll go back into older films, yep. more modern films. You're going to the animation. I love that you're doing the animation thing at the moment. I've listened to a couple of the Wallace and Gromit episodes that you've done the oh, first yeah, couple. Yeah, yeah. And, well, I had to because it's, 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 it's English with a capital E. <laughs> isn't it really it's just very english yes yeah um 
Yeah. No one does it like Ardman. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Ardman. Um, but I mean, I'm a huge fan of animation just generally. But yeah, I, I don't want to be the sort of podcast that purely focuses on one specific genre or one specific type of movie, one specific year or decade. There are so many amazing podcasts that look at movies by year, by decade, by genre, amazing horror movie podcasts out there, you know, comedy movie podcasts. It's it's incredible. The amount of variety out there for podcasts is absolutely astonishing. I personally never wanted to be tied down to any specifics. I basically just talk about whatever I want, uh, which is good for me, I guess, because uh, I, I basically pick and choose. Um, it's there is no rhyme or reason to it, apart from animation season, which is something that I do love to do uh, sort of every January, February. Um, that is purely focused on animation. And really, the only reason for that is that I do find that a lot of movie podcasts that I listen to, they maybe tend to kind of steer away from animation. Uh, for various reasons, it is a personal decision what you choose to to cover on your own podcast. But when I was looking for podcasts to listen to about animation, I was finding that there wasn't there wasn't as much out there as as I personally wanted, and so I thought, well, I'll talk a lot about animation then, um, because animation is amazing, yeah. and it's so underrated as well. Um, you know the current trend of uh, quote-unquote live-action remakes, I think, tells us everything we need to know about when you have incredible animated movies like Aladdin, like The Little Mermaid, like Beauty and the Beast. And Disney are kind of going through all of that now and going, well, what can we make live-action? You know, let's let's take Aladdin, let's take Beauty and the Beast, let's take The Little Mermaid and make it live-action. And in a way, it's kind of, it's, sort of saying well you know you had those movies back in the day but those were animated so we're going to give you a live action version now because it's well obviously it makes them more money um but that doesn't necessarily mean it's quote unquote better because i think we can all agree that pretty much every single live action version of any animated classic they've ever done has not been as good as the original uh <laughs> i mean i i realize it's subjective some people love those movies uh the live action remakes um but to me there's something really special about animation about what animation can do about what it can achieve um and i mean i could talk about the reasons why i cover animation on my podcast <laughs> till the cows come home and i don't think we've got enough time but um i think i did some statistics something like i can't remember exactly what the percentage was off the top of my head but i think it was something like 35% of verbal diorama was animated films or 30% or something along those lines, um, which I, I'm actually quite proud of uh, as, a, as a statistic because I want to talk about movies like uh, Perfect Blue. I want to talk about movies like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. I want to talk about Kubo and the Two Strings. Um, and, you know, there's, it's just such a wealth of amazing material out there live action and animated you know i i love it all that's why i talk about it because i love it so much well yeah but i'm not even going to touch the the conversation of uh should we say <clears throat> live action version 
<laughs> of The Lion King. And I did that in quotes because it's not, it's CGI. Uh, but <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean, you, you got a good start in it because your first ever episode was animated. It was yes. Titan AE. It was. It was. And um, I'd never seen Titan AE before. That was something that I just... It wasn't going to be Titan AE, actually. It was going to be uh, Sinbad, The Legend of the Seven Seas. Mm. And at the time, I I was on the streaming services. Sinbad was on the streaming services. So I was like, I'm going to do Sinbad as my first episode. Then Sinbad came off the streaming services and the only option was Titan AE. Um, and I basically wanted to do an animated movie, importantly, number one. And the second thing I wanted to do was an animated movie that had really badly flopped. Uh, and quite famously, both Sinbad, uh, The Legend of the Seven Seas and Titan AE were both huge flops, uh, huge box office disasters at the time. But then I kind of got into thinking about, well, what exactly is the story behind Titan AE? And what actually happened? You know, why did Fox Animation basically completely die after yeah. Titan A? And how did that happen? And it all just kind of went from there, really. I, I basically just looked into the entire history and legacy of Fox Animation Studios and what happened with Titan AE and why it was so expensive. Um I mean, Titan AE is a really fun movie, and um I believe it is still available on streaming. Uh, I think it's on Disney Plus, actually, because Disney now own Fox. Disney now own Fox, yeah. I was going um, to say, that that's the irony there, that, you know, uh, so Fox Animation very much uh, had a lot to do with Don Bluth. Yes, he and did, yeah. As, as you mentioned, you know, in your show about Titan AE, Don Bluth had come from uh, Disney Animation yeah. before that, and I find it ironic that now... Disney owns Fox, so essentially Don Bluth has gone back to Disney. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, incredibly ironic. And um, there's so many, um, I don't like to use the term, but I'm going to use it. There's so much kind of incestuousness in Hollywood just generally. Yeah. Uh, people working for one studio, moving to another studio, moving to another, then going back to the first. There's There's so much of that in Hollywood. Um, you know, so many of the big name kind of producers, um, you know, especially like in the 90s, early 2000s, they worked for pretty much every single big studio. You know, they would work for Disney. They would work for Fox. They would work for Universal. And and pretty much everyone worked for everyone at one point. Um, but, yeah, it's um, we're getting to a point now, I think, where you've got certain big players such as Disney who obviously own Fox, they own Lucasfilm, they own Pixar, uh, they own Marvel. Um, 70% of the entertainment world, probably. Well, very much so. And, um, yeah, it's it's basically becoming uh, a little bit of a monopoly, shall we say. Yeah, yeah, I agreed. I mean, there are rumours, actually, I mean, we're not going to stick on this for too long, but just there are there are rumours of them looking into there being a deal between them and Sony, I think. I think Sony are looking into probably going on to Disney Plus or something. I think I've heard. I'm not sure how real that is, but like I said. It, yeah, I... Ooh. It's interesting because Sony, Sony obviously own their own... So you've got um, Columbia, TriStar, kind of all of that sort of stuff under the Sony umbrella. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, Disney Plus as it currently stands, they've actually taken a load of stuff off there recently. Um, and it's it's a little bit annoying because I think people expected the streaming services to be the one-stop shop for everything. Uh, and Disney are exercising their rights to remove things, um, which I don't necessarily agree with, to be honest. Um, no. I think it it I think it it's kind of the perfect. Uh, excuse if one was necessary why physical media is so important um I still have loads of physical media I buy a lot of stuff actually for the podcast uh I buy a lot of old DVDs uh especially if I'm covering the movie and I like it I'll usually like I don't know go to a charity shop and pay 50p for a DVD um because there's honestly go to a charity shop the DVD section is an absolute treasure trove of stuff uh i i mean you you will find like seven copies of titanic uh you know all of, um there will be loads of uh loads of copies of that sort of stuff but sometimes you find an absolute gem in a charity shop and it honestly it makes my day to find stuff like that um but anyway we digress about streaming services but yeah buy physical media <laughs> I mean, you've you've touched on something there, you know. I mean, we weren't we weren't going to go here, but it's something that's bugged me for a long time. That so, uh, Amazon, for instance, they they sort of have a thing now where they own. I think they own MGM uh, slash yes. United Artist. Yes, and that bugs the hell out of me because when I heard that they that they purchased that catalog, I thought, oh, fantastic, because I was thinking. They have an incredible wealth of old, and I do mean to a lot of people, old classic films. Yep. From like the 40s, the 50s, even going back to the 30s. And so I thought, oh, great. There's going to be an actual streaming service that has these classic films that, to my mind and to a lot of people's minds, are the films that everybody, it's like, you know, there's there's so many films that you need to watch before you die and those sort of lists. Yeah. And that they're they they're owned by them a lot of those, but they haven't actually utilized that. It's still the same post nineteen ninety films mm-hmm. for the most part that they've got, and they're still not catering for that classic film, um, you know, audience. Yeah, it's film rights are really weird. Um, and I've always thought this because you you nest, like you, for example, you would go to somewhere like Disney Plus and you'd expect a certain movie to be available because it's a Disney movie. Um, like Maleficent is a really good example. I think you think, oh, Disney movie, I'll watch Maleficent, but it's not on there. And that's because the rights, the streaming rights in the UK are owned by a different service. Uh, it, it's weird. I tell you, a really good place to go if you do want classic movies. Um it's actually one of the best places um, that I know of for classic movies. Uh, you know, the likes of things like Casablanca comes up yeah. there occasionally. Um, I'm trying to think, like, things like Bringing Up Baby um, is yeah. on there. Um, Cary Grant and uh, uh, Catherine Hepburn. Yes, I believe so, yeah. 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 And that is uh, the BBC iPlayer. Yes. Uh, the, the BBC iPlayer has a wonderful selection of classic films. Uh, and I only know this because I do the Film Stories iPlayer update every week. So every week I get the latest releases on the iPlayer and I just update the Film Stories website for them. Um, and yeah, Casablanca, I think that's recently gone off the service, actually. But it will be back because Casablanca always comes back. But 
Um, they've got um, basically they've got films that kind of update every week, and then they've got like a, a collection of older stuff, um, like the Magnificent Ambersons. I think is on there as well. Um, that will be on there for like a year or so. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend checking out the BBC iPlayer for if you if you are interested in older movies because they do have a very good selection. Yep, and that's a free service as well. It is a free service. Yep. 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 I mean, I, I actually think that that and the um, I mean, we're in the UK, both of us. I think that and the Channel Four Four uh, OD, I think it's still called. Yep. I think, is good. I think they are they are really good for free services. I think they're really good. Yeah. Both of them. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So what do you see? This sounds almost like a pretentious question. Um, <laughs> do you have an incredibly wide uh, taste when it comes to film? Yeah. Were you always that way or is that built up over time? And yeah, what do you, to you, is the importance of film in your life? So, I mean, for me, the importance of film uh, is is a kind of a really easy question for me because I've always associated film and the experience of film with certain moments in my life that bring me joy. Um, I've always been quite open about the first movie that I went to see at the cinema, uh, which was Jurassic Park. Yeah. And Jurassic Park was an experience that, first of all, it was I was taken to the cinema by my grandparents and uh, my grandparents were not the sort of people who would generally take their grandchildren to see a, a dinosaur movie. I don't think they realized it was quite as scary uh, as it as it actually turned out to be. Um, but my granddad especially um, was always a huge supporter of pretty much everything that I did. Um the podcast itself is kind of dedicated to him in a way because it was through that initial watch of Jurassic Park with my grandparents um, and just discovering a, a love for how stuff is made. Because, you know, you see a dinosaur on the screen for the first time and you're what? I don't know. I can't even remember. I was probably 12, maybe 12, 13 years old. And seeing a dinosaur on screen and thinking, oh, my God, there's a dinosaur and it's real and it looks real and it yeah. moves real. And how? How did they do that? I want to know. Yeah. And that that kind of stemmed the, the love that I had for just cinema in general. I guess I'd also credit Who Framed Roger Rabbit as well as a, a huge influence for how did they do that kind of mentality. And still, I mean, those two movies, Jurassic Park and Who Framed Roger Rabbit, um, uh, still iconic to this day. Uh, One's 35 years old, one's 30 years old, and they're peerless and timeless, um, genuine classics of cinema. Um, But the the podcast actually came from, coincidentally and rather ironically, uh, my granddad's passing because my granddad passed away in um December of 2018 and I he didn't know about podcasting you know my granddad was in his 80s and he he was a little bit of a luddite my granddad but he was always very supportive of everything that I did and he always wanted to know everything I was doing and he was always so positive and always pushed me to kind of be the best person that I could be 
And so when he did pass, um, I basically made a decision that I was going to start this podcast that I've been talking about for ages and I've been putting off for ages. And um, and I was going to do it for my granddad because it will all kind of came full circle, really, because granddad took me to the cinema, obviously, with grandma for the for Jurassic Park. And then and then when he died, it was like, well, this is like a full circle experience. I'm going to start this podcast in in my granddad's memory with my granddad knowing nothing about podcasts at all. But for me, it was like the push that I needed to kind of go, look, this is what you need to do. Just do it. Stop dilly-dallying. Just do it. <laughs> and so, and so, yeah, the February 2019 was the first episode because um, it took me a little while to obviously get my hosting and everything sorted. But, um, yeah, it's uh, and that's really where the importance of film comes from. It's from that experience, from that joy and from that, really early memory well it's not really early obviously I was a teenager but you know a fairly early memory of going to the cinema you know being excited being scared being amazed um and and walking away from it just wanting to know more and that's that's all I've ever wanted to do ever since was I want to know more about how this was done I want to know more about visual effects I want to know more about the industry I want to know more um and I think as long as I get that feeling of I want to know more, then I'm going to carry on doing what I'm doing. Because if I want to know more, then surely there are people out there who also want to know more, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, you have actually touched on the subject of Jurassic Park in your show before now, haven't you, as well? Yeah, I, I did. I've done an episode on Jurassic Park. Um, it's So every year I do a birthday episode and it's normally a movie that means a lot to me. Um and they're they're very kind of specifically chosen in that regard. Um, they're movies that mean a great deal or that they stand for something really special. Or I think that they're really, you know, maybe underappreciated, maybe deserve a little bit of extra love. But as far as Jurassic Park was concerned, it was only a matter of time before I did it. It's a bit like there are some movies like that, I think, if you're a film podcast. It's only a matter of time before you do Back to the Future. It's only a matter of time before you do a Star Wars movie. Um, I've actually not done any Back to the Future. I've done one Star Wars, but Rogue One is obviously not in the, it's not the general kind of Skywalker saga. I've not touched any of the main Star Wars movies yet. Um, but it's only a matter of time, let's be honest. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and then you'll and then then your numbers will go incre increasingly up when you hit those ones. Well, you see, that's the really interesting thing. It's something that I've discovered doing this podcast is the movies that you think are going to resonate with audiences. Um, you know, movies like um, well, Terminator Two is a really bad example because that did really well. But um, look, an episode like Jurassic Park, let's say as an example, huge movie, everyone yep. loves Jurassic Park, but. Listeners, maybe it's because there's loads of episodes out there about Jurassic Park already. Okay, yeah. But for my podcast, people tend to go for the movies that are maybe a little bit offbeat. Um, mm. For example, the two of the biggest episodes, as far as listener and, listeners and downloads are concerned for me, have been Robin Hood Men in Tights and The Adams Family. Right. Okay. And they're, I mean, The Adams Family, you can maybe kind of understand because it's a great movie and everyone loves it. But Robin Hood Men in Tights is very niche. 
it's a spoof comedy. Uh, it's a Mel Brooks movie. Love Mel Brooks. Absolutely adore that man. But it's it's not Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. It's not. It wasn't a huge box office success. But people love Robin Hood Men in Tights. Um, you know, it's like most recently I did an episode on Godzilla, the 1998 Godzilla, which most of the internet absolutely hates. And honestly, the the numbers for it were amazing. And I was like, everyone hates this movie, apart from me. I love it. Um, but it's it's weird. You can never predict how an episode is going to be received. Uh, I can never, and I don't even try and predict it anymore. I just do the movies that I want to do. And I hope that people are going to enjoy listening to the episode as much as I enjoyed making it. And I try not to worry too much about numbers, but honestly, Godzilla 98 was just such a genuine surprise, (laughs) but maybe people hate listened. I don't know, but, um, it, yeah, incredibly, it did incredibly well. Um, but yeah, it's you can't predict what people are going to like. Basically, I'll just put out there that uh, Godzilla. I think these shows that do these people that talk about film soundtracks in their shows need to look at the Godzilla soundtrack because that's got some bloody good songs on there. Do you know what? There is actually a really good podcast friends of mine. I absolutely love these guys. Um, they're called That Song from That Movie. Yeah. And they've done a Godzilla episode, and it's wonderful. Uh, so, I, I mean, I highly recommend those lads anyway because they're just great podcasts, a lot of fun. But they've got a fantastic Godzilla '98 episode on those amazing tracks from that movie. I should have taken note of that to listen to that one. <laughs> I'll do that when I do the edit. So, what shows inspired you when you started? Were the shows that inspired you, or did you, were you just a listener and thought, oh, I'm going to make my own podcast now? I did obviously listen to podcasts um, before I started podcasting. Um, and I, I kind because I'd be, I'm trying to remember the very first podcast that I actually listened to. And I'm pretty certain that it was. Um, a gaming podcast of all weirdness because obviously I'm not a gaming podcast but I've always been into gaming um, like video gaming and stuff like that and I'm trying to remember the name of it and it's gone out of my mind and I wish I'd written it down Uh, so it was basically like oh that was it. it was called IGN Girl Fight and it was three women so it was a female hosted podcast Uh, And it was three female gaming editors at IGN talking about video games, talking about modern video games, vintage video games. And they were absolutely incredible. They were so engaging. They were interesting. They were funny. And And up until that point, I guess I'd kind of thought, well, you know, podcasting is always kind of been very male focused uh and even now uh you know in the film and tv podcast community there are a lot of men there's very few women talking about uh films uh and tv but especially gaming as well um and so to have this experience of listening to these women talk about gaming, their experiences of gaming, um, they also kind of at the time went into a little bit of like the Gamergate controversy where, you know, women were being trolled for their love of gaming and for being involved in gaming. And it was actually quite fascinating to kind of get their perspective on all of that. Um, 
but I, I guess I must have been inspired by them partially because their podcast finished um, and I was absolutely gutted because there wasn't really anything else like them. Uh, this was obviously years and years ago. Uh, there are now, thankfully. Um, but I decided that I wanted to start the podcast, but I didn't actually start it for about a year uh, afterwards. So it was back in February 2018 that I decided I, I was going to do it, but I just never got it off the ground. Um, and in the meantime, I got to know some podcasts on Twitter and, you know, the general kind of community of, of podcasts. I got to know some really lovely people here in the UK and, and uh, over in the US as well. And I would listen to their podcasts. And bearing in mind that they weren't really doing what I do. They were more kind of film review podcasts, that sort of thing. And there were multiple people hosting so the idea of like a solo hosted film history podcast uh, hosted by a woman as well. I mean, God forbid, why would a woman do that? Uh, what does a woman know to quote one of my favorite movies? Um, seemed a, not unique because there are many people that are doing it, but it, it didn't seem like there was much representation out there in that particular arena. And I have to mention, obviously, I am very much acquainted with Simon Brew from Film Stories. Uh, Simon Brew and I go back years. He's a wonderful man. He also does a solo hosted film history podcast. And we often joke that he copied the idea from me, uh, but he did start his first. So uh, I do have to give him credit. But he's been such a wonderful support for me because... For anyone who doesn't know who Simon Brew is, he was the uh, founder of Den of Geek uh, back yep. in the day. Um, and then he left there and he started film stories. Um, and he's an incredibly inspirational man. Uh, he's done so much for the podcast, you know, for me as a podcast, for other podcasts. You know, I know he's a huge inspiration to other podcasts as well. And obviously the magazine and, and all the film, the whole film stories project. Um, but he's actually been incredibly important to my story and what I do because there have been so many times where I've struggled and I thought I can't do this and Simon Brew has literally got on the phone to me and you know given me a bit of a kick up the bum and go you of course you can do it like look at what you've done of course you can carry on uh so I mean you know he is I I don't like to I don't like to big him up too much because he gets a big head but he he has been a huge inspiration for me as a solo podcaster, as a film history podcaster, to be honest, there is ve there are very few podcasts that do it as well as Simon Brew's Film Stories does. So, um, you know, if you're not going to listen to Verbal Diorama, listen to Film Stories. <laughs> but if you want, listen to us both because, you know, I, I like to think that although we do a similar thing, like, you know, we we coexist very well. You know, I'm always there to support him. He's always there to support me. And I guess that's podcasting, really, in a nutshell. It's just amazing people supporting each other. Sorry, I feel like I've waffled on for a long time. I hope I've answered your question. I think you have. I think so. I mean, th that's the thing. You know, you um, when you first look at coming into the podcast or, or the world of podcasting, you think to yourself, you, without knowing beforehand, you have this sort of like almost fake belief that, it's almost like I compared it beforehand to the corporate world where you'll think, well, 
there's no way, like back in the day, there's no way that the BBC would help out the ITV or these people wouldn't help this person out, this, that, and the other. But the podcasting world isn't like that at all. It's, you know, you'll, you'll be there and you'll be thinking, oh, they're not going to help me at all. And then suddenly a plethora of podcasters will come forward and say, oh, do you want some help with this? Or you're doing yeah. great. And they'll give you this sort of like this push and they'll make you feel better. And th- they've got each other's backs, which is incredible. Yeah. People are really nice. And this is something that I've discovered. I've been doing verbal diorama for four, four and a half years now, let's say nearly four and a half years. And it still amazes me how nice people can be. And I think the the internet and like places like Twitter, they have a, a reputation for being cesspools of, you know, hatred and bigotry. And and that is true. Like, let's not beat around the bush. That is true. There are some really nasty people on Twitter uh, and Facebook and Instagram and all of those places. But the podcast community is absolutely one of the loveliest communities that I've ever been a part of. Uh, people are always there to help. People are always there to give you a push. Um, you know, it's genuinely supportive. I don't know of any other community uh, like it, really, in that people are genuinely nice. And especially when it's come to like the awards and, you know, I've basically been going around a couple of companies, uh, companies like Good Pods, for example, and just kind of said, hey, you know, would you be willing to just, you know, do a free shout out for this? And they're like, yeah, sure, no problem. Just send us the link and we'll we'll sort it out. And, you know, it's people are so happy to help. And sometimes I think, especially British people, British people don't tend to like to ask for help. Uh, right. We like to queue a lot, but we also don't like to generally ask for help. Um, but I think the community out there is is so loving and so accepting. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your your gender, your sexuality, the color of your skin. Everyone is welcome in the podcast community. And it's absolutely wonderful to see. And it's wonderful to be a part of that as well. Yep. I'll just put out there, there is a there is a film-based show called Two Chicks Talking Flicks, if anyone's interested. And uh, there you go, Push, pushing it for the late ladies doing podcast. Oh, about, absolutely. About films. Absolutely. I, let, me, let me write that down. <laughs> let me write that down. Two Chicks. What was it? Sorry. Two Chicks Talking Flicks. That's talking without a G. Because they're trying to get down with the modern times, obviously. Okay. I've, I've written that down because um, I'm obviously very, it's very, very important to me as a female podcaster, as a female film podcaster, that any time there is, you know, another podcast out there that is female fronted, um, I naturally kind of want to support them because I know what it's like. It is a very male dominated genre of podcasting. Yeah. Um, and in many ways, it 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 does feel a little bit more difficult, maybe. Um, I mean, I I'm not a reviewer, and I think that's the difference. I think if you're a review podcast and you're hosted by a woman, um, I think you're more. If you're saying that you don't like a movie for X reason, whatever movie that might be, um, I feel like you tend to get more kind of dude bros 
lashing out because yeah. a woman is giving an opinion because you know shock horror women have opinions too um and women's opinions are just as valid as a man's opinion but anyway uh i digress but because i don't i do give opinions but i don't dwell on my opinions i will say oh i really like this movie um and to be honest i very rarely say i don't like this movie because i I will find the good in everything. I'm the person who found the good in Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which is a movie that pretty much everyone dislikes. I also found some good in Aliens versus Predator Requiem as well, which, uh, again, most people don't like. So um, to me, it's a miracle that movies get made. So I try to focus on that. Like the fact a movie got made in the first place is a miracle. So many amazing people work their butts off to get this movie made. So let's celebrate that. Um, and because I don't really then say, oh, I really hated this movie, I don't really get the dude bros kind of, you know, arguing with my opinions because, um, I mean, unless they basically argue the fact that they think Mortal Kombat Annihilation is the worst movie ever. I mean, that's that's their opinion. Um, I personally think it's there's there's a lot to love in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. But anyway, Um so, Trust me, there yeah. are worse films out there. But even then, I mean, you know, art is always going to be subjective. Yeah. Movies are always going yeah. to be subjective. But the there can be, like, the worst movie in the world still has a very dedicated team of professionals behind the scenes. You know, yeah. you've got your stunt coordinators, your visual effects teams, uh, writers, directors, producers, actors. You know, the best boy, the best boy grip, you know, all of that kind of stuff, the... Uh, you know, the cameraman, everything, or camera person, shall I say, everything going into making that movie, regardless of whether the finished product is quote-unquote good or quote-unquote bad, there was still a lot of work that went into making that movie. And there's always an interesting story behind why that movie got made and how it got made. Um, And that's what I like to focus on more than, oh, this movie is good or, oh, this movie is bad, because uh, opinions... Everyone's got opinions and not everyone likes the same thing. So let's just let's just marvel at how amazing it is that the movie exists in the first place is is kind of my viewpoint on it. I'm, I'm sorry you said opinions and that always reminds me of that uh, of that was it that uh, line from dirt, from one of the Dirty Harry films isn't it or something where he said uh, where Harry says uh, oh is it um Opinions, <clears throat> this is going to be a bit naughty, this. Uh, do, doing the American thing. So opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one and most of them stink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. basically. Quoting from a film. <laughs> I'm impressed. So you, you've done show history. You've done what you've been inspired by. I mean, the topic choices, do, do you just choose those? You, you, do you just think? Oh, this this film I want to watch. Yeah, I'll watch that, and then I'll talk about it. You know, you, you don't care about what the film is about, or well, you do, but you're just open to whatever is there. Obviously, there has to be, there has to be some sort of angle there for me, and what I mean by that is some sort of interesting tidbit of information. Um, you know, some piece of trivia or something like that, something really interesting that I can kind of dig into about how that movie was made, why it was made, the history about that movie, um, 
you know, it's like the the tagline of the podcast is the history and legacy of movies you know and movies you don't. Yeah. And, you know, so in my mind, it's talking about the history of that movie or alternatively the legacy of that movie. Because some movies have a really interesting conception story about, oh, well, a director was working on this project and he couldn't do it. And so then he happened upon this screenwriter who was writing this movie for another director who couldn't do it. And then, you know, lo and behold, we end up with Batman 1989 as an example. Yep. Um, you know, that's not the story of Batman. But, um, but you know, that that's basically what happens in Hollywood. It's like something happens and it it causes this chain reaction. But ultimately, there are movies out there that maybe don't have a very interesting story about, you know, how they were made. It was like, oh, well, you know, this writer and director came together and this actor joined and it was all really good. And But say, for example, then the movie flopped really badly. And but then it's become like a cult classic over the years. Something like, for example, uh, Josie and the Pussycats, which is an absolutely stellar movie. I absolutely adore it so much. It's such a time capsule of like early 2000s. I absolutely love it. But it, the legacy of that movie is actually so much more interesting than the making of the movie itself because it's it's basically become a bit of a, well, it's an absolute cult classic, but it's also become a bit of a cultural juggernaut in recent years. Um, and now people are reevaluating Josie and the Pussycats as actually being a fantastic movie. And it really is. Um, so I'd highly recommend Josie and the Pussycats. I think it's wonderful. But so I can basically take either angle, really. Um, and if a movie has both, well, that's even better for me. Um, you know, you look at a movie like Terminator 2 Judgment Day, how that was made is such an incredible story of amazing visual effects, right place, right time, you know, wonderful story, amazing performances. All of that, everything came together on Terminator 2. But then you look at what Terminator 2 did for like the industry, for visual effects, for all yeah. of that. It's it, there's a reason why Terminator 2 Judgment Day is the longest solo episode of the podcast that I've ever done, because there's so much story. And I love to delve into visual effects and how they did stuff like Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Um, it's always hard to describe visual effects and how they did it, but I like to think that that episode was thorough enough that that people would kind of get what I was trying to say but you know the store everything kind of all links to each other in a, a weird way you know you've got Terminator 2 Judgment Day linking into Jurassic Park and you know Jurassic Park linking into Godzilla 98 because so much of that movie was based on Jurassic Park rather unintentionally there's so many like I said earlier like incestuous like spider webs in the industry of things linking to other things. Um, and I always like to mention that in, in episodes and recommend previous episodes of the podcast to kind of say, well, you know, if you are interested in more on this movie, then, you know, check out check out the story I talk about in this episode. Um, but basically, as far as topic choices are concerned, it's whatever. Um, you know, this month I'm doing a huge variety of different stuff. So I'm actually doing episode the the episode they're working on this week is a dual episode on hot shots and hot shots part duh uh which wonderful spoof comedies from the early 90s that everyone adores um i've done previous episodes on airplane um and obviously robin hood men in tights so spoof comedies are something that i've covered before um 
then I'm doing uh I'm just going to tell you what I'm going to do you know might as well uh then I'm doing the 2005 Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy uh which obviously is based on a wonderful series of books which I absolutely adored the books and I was never quite taken with the movie but the movie has grown on me over the years um and I'm actually really interested in kind of talking about the making of that movie as well because I do think it's got a fascinating story um then I'm going to be doing Night of the Living Dead the original 60s because that movie is really interesting for so many reasons not only for the fact that it has a black lead character uh, which was pretty much unheard of uh, at the time but also one of the most interesting things about that movie is uh, the fact that uh, it's not copyrighted. So uh, pretty much anyone can distribute, use, own Night of the Living Dead because they never copyrighted it properly. So um, I always find that quite fascinating, especially with, you know, modern Hollywood being so hot and copyright and stuff like that. Um, and then uh, my plan is to do a very special different episode uh, on an unreleased movie. Mm. Um, so something that never actually came out, which is not something that I've done before. So it's new territory, but you know, you've got to, I think you've got to try different things sometimes and hopefully people will enjoy the story because it is an absolutely fascinating story that links back to Roger Rabbit as well with, um, the artist Richard Williams, who was a pioneer of animation. So, yeah, it's an animated movie. <laughs> but, yeah, it's uh, it, he worked for about 28 years on an animated movie called The Thief and the Cobbler. And it's an absolutely fascinating story. And I'm at the moment trying to get um, an interview with um, someone who's basically an expert uh, on The Thief and the Cobbler. So, fingers crossed, I can get that sorted. But, yeah, it... I like a variety. I like to do different things. I don't want to do the same thing all the time. I like to do seasons. I've just finished my Kaiju season, which was like a month of Kaiju movies. Um, I love doing that because it's like focusing on a particular genre or particular types of movie that maybe don't tend to get the love they deserve. Movies like The Host and Shin Godzilla. Um, But yeah, otherwise I just like a bit of variety. Variety is the spice of life. So they say. I'm going to fill up your um, list of podcasts to listen to. I think uh, you would find fascinating, and a recent episode of Spy Hards. Oh, where I love Spy Hards. Scott and Cam spoke with Jamie Anderson. Have you have you seen this one in their feed? Jamie Anderson? No, I don't. Jerry Anderson's son. Yeah, sorry, I didn't get the link, but yes, I have because um yeah, I'm a huge fan of Jerry Anderson, mostly yep. because uh I did an episode on Team America World Police, and obviously that was very highly based on Thunderbirds. Uh yep. and you know, I love uh Matt Stone and Trey Parker. I think they are absolutely phenomenal filmmakers, and the story behind Team America is one of the best stories that you will ever hear in your life. Uh, the turnaround on that movie is incredible. Um, but yeah, no, I did see um, Jamie Anderson because, yeah, I'm, I am a huge fan of Jerry Anderson, but also I'm a huge fan of Spy Hards as well. I've been on their podcast a couple of times and I love those boys. Yeah. yeah. But they 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 spoke with Jamie because Jerry Anderson in the 1960s wrote a script for a James Bond film that never mm-hmm. came to be. 
And it's a fascinating story. And it, they cheekily stole some of the ideas from the script that they didn't use and put them into other Bond films, shall we say? Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, and that happens so often, um, you'll find that the original writers of, of certain screenplays uh, they hardly ever get credit because by the time the, the screenplay is made into a movie, it's completely different to what they originally envisaged. Uh, there are some wonderful podcasts, actually, that do talk about uh, movies that never got made, cancelled movies, etc. Uh, one of the ones that I really like, actually, um, let me just bring it up on my phone, is How Did This Not Get Made? Yes. I love yeah. that podcast. Yeah. And I love that they talk about uh, like the various versions of the movies that never came to screen. Um, there's also one as well called Cancelled Movie Report, which is also very good. Um, yeah. But yeah, I love podcasts like that because it's like it's similar to what I do, but it's also kind of different to what I do as well. I love listening to other film history podcasts. I love listening to film stories, obviously, because Simon's a friend. But yeah. I also love You Must Remember This as well. Um, with Karina Longworth. Obviously, she's a it's a female hosted podcast. She is a huge podcast, so she gets like, you know, I'm one of millions of her listeners, but her podcast is so well produced, uh, so you know, so well researched as well. She has like a team, I think, of people doing the research work. Unfortunately for me, it's just me doing my research. <laughs> so uh it's um it's excuse me, it's never gonna be quite as thorough as maybe like Karina Longworth can do. Um, but her podcast is incredible and I love listening to it. Um, so yeah, I'm a huge fan of other film history podcasts and yeah, just a huge fan of film podcasts in general. I have so many on my pocket cast list, so many. Now with that fantastic segue you just did. So um, what sort of research do you do for the show then leading up to <laughs> each episode? Oh my God, so much. So much. Um, so the, the research part is the part that takes the longest. Uh, and bearing in mind, obviously, I do this. I do the podcast on evenings and occasional weekends. Uh, most of my evenings are spent researching. And that can be um, interviews with a director or oral histories or, you know, interviews with the stars of the film. It could be... Um, like DVD extras, you know, sometimes on the DVD, you'll get a making of documentary. It'll be from that. Um, I try to avoid Wikipedia. And the only reason for that is, well, <laughs> surprise, surprise, not everything on Wikipedia is accurate. Um, al although there are some good links occasionally yeah. on Wikipedia that will take you through to, you know, websites with interviews, with um you know, personal accounts from the filmmaker. And I try to always corroborate my sources as well. So I try not to take anything that's... So if one website says something along the lines of, oh, you know, Tom Cruise did this stunt with one hand tied behind his back, hopping on his foot, uh, which, let's be honest, Tom Cruise probably did. But yep. if unless I can find that information elsewhere to say that he did that stunt with one hand tied behind his back, hopping on his one foot... With the parachute on the on, on the back of him as well, falling down 30,000 feet from exactly. helicopter. Yeah. Unless I can corroborate that with another source, then I try not to include it because people make stuff up on the internet. Um, and yep. 
for me, accuracy is really important. I don't want to be a podcast that gives incorrect information. That's the last thing I want, because I want people to listen to verbal diorama and know that they're getting factual information. Uh, It is a factual podcast. It is film history. That's the point. There have been occasions where I have got it wrong completely by accident. Like I've said in the past, I said someone was someone won an Academy Award and they were actually only nominated. And that was just a mistake on my part. And I think in the next episode, I think I basically said, oh, you know, last episode made a bit of a boo-boo, you know. And sometimes you do have to, you know, you do have to admit your mistakes and say, yeah, I got it wrong and I'm I'm sorry, but, you know, I'm only human. And sometimes these things happen. Um, but ultimately, I I do always try to be as accurate as possible. And that only happens with, the hours and hours of research every week that goes into this podcast. Um, And, you know, for a half an hour, 40 minute episode, you're probably talking of, I don't know, let's say 10, 15 hours, depending on the topic. Um, It it very, it very much depends. Um, It's really difficult to summarize as well, because, you know, movies like Hot Shots, for example, well, there's a bit of information out there for hot shots, uh, but it's not really as there's not really as much information for hot shots as there is for Terminator 2 Judgment Day. So, um, yeah, episodes will vary very much depending on what information is out there. Um, and yeah, I never underestimate where you've got podcasts that talk about things like film history, exactly how much goes into those episodes because honestly if I could get away with just reading a Wikipedia article uh then I would um but I I, the information is just not there and the information that is there is possibly not accurate and I don't want to jeopardize my I'm I don't want to say like reputation because I'm not sure I've got one but I I think it's really important to be as genuine and honest and um approachable as possible when you're a podcaster um and being accurate is really really important and i take it very seriously as well probably a bit too seriously i'll be honest there is actually a podcast that uh, that is around 2 to 5 minutes long that is called wikipedia featured article of the day oh really <laughs> And that, although that one, it doesn't, it, it more looks at articles on there that are actual real, not ones that are, you know, got this, you know, oh, this is this, this and this and this. And you're sort of like, yeah, that's doesn't sound right to me. So I think they're a bit more selective with what they pick to have on their show. Uh, it's, okay. it's, a, it's an AI generated show as well. Oh, OK. Interesting. Interesting. Now, there's a world. Um, so you, you know, you keep mentioning subjects that I could go off on tangents on, and I've got to be. I'm a bit really more, good at that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I could go, I could go for ages about the Terminator Two business. Um, yeah, me too. I mean, I mean, you know, Terminator Two, you you've got that because because of the great work that they did with Abyss. Yes. Um, so uh, because of the effects on that film. Yep, absolutely. But, um, a criminally underrated film, by the way, The Abyss. Yes, very much so. And and to be honest, I'll be completely I've still not seen the whole thing. It's still on my to watch list. I've seen bits of it. Um, but I 
again, it's like people often say to me, when I say I've got a film podcast, you've always got one person who's like, oh, have you seen Seven Samurai? And I go, yes. no, I haven't seen it. And they'll go, you haven't seen Seven Samurai? And you've got a podcast. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's good, because... That's a good film. I know. Again, it's on my list. Um, but there's a common misconception, I think, that if you've got a film podcast, you must have watched every film ever made, uh, which, no, it's just impossible. I'm sorry. Um, so, no, I, I haven't watched Seven Samurai. Um, and I've only watched bits of The Abyss. Uh, and I know it's shameful. Um, All right. But, you know, I, I am fully aware of... Uh, of what the abyss did for visual effects. Um, and like I say, I'm a huge fan of James Cameron. Uh, I think, I mean, Aliens is one of the greatest sequels ever made, uh, along with Terminator 2 Judgment Day. So, um, yeah, it's definitely on my to-watch list. I was going to go somewhere there, and I can't think of where I was going to Yes, that was it. So what you just said then about, you know, oh, you must know this film, you must know that. This is going to be very British as an answer, okay? So if you're British and you suddenly tell people that you play the ukulele, everybody will say to you, oh, can you play When you when I'm Cleaning Windows by George Formby? <laughs> One of those stupid things people ask. Oh, no. oh can you do this? Uh, no. It's, no, it's weird, I really don't want it? to do that song. Thanks. Yeah, it's weird. People are weird. I don't know if they get that abroad. Americans contact me if you get really silly questions for things that you, you know, in the same sort of way. So um, we'll, we'll do this together. So do you have a structure to the show and how do you record and then edit the show? So I do have a general structure that I follow. Um, and it's very kind of straightforward in the sense that it's, introduction and then um it's playing a little clip of the trailer it's talking about the cast and the characters talking about the production history and then kind of going through a set of categories like music marketing release financials sequels remakes kind of in in a I don't I tend to kind of I loosely stick to it it depends on the movie it depends because sometimes the marketing stories are really, really interesting. Like, yep. you know, for example, with Batman, Batman was a game changer when it came to marketing movies. Um, and, you know, that Batman logo, that iconic black and yellow logo that was everywhere uh, in the late 80s. Batman changed the game for movies in many ways, this, in a similar way to Jurassic Park changed it. But when it came to movie merchandise, and Batman, it was like, oh, I've got to talk about the merchandise for Batman. And it's so important to the story of that movie. Um, but, you know, it, I I do have I do try and follow the structure, but I don't follow it rigidly. So it, it very much depends. But I want to talk about all of those things. I want to try and talk about the music. I want to try and talk about the financial side, you know, the release history, Um you know, sequels and prequels and remakes and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and then I I always, well, I don't always do it, but I, I sometimes do like a, a listener feedback section, uh, which it's interesting because some people I know don't like it because they don't like the fact that I kind of stop and I 
talk about what other people think. But other people really do like it. And it's one of those things where you get feed. Every podcast gets feedback about what listeners like and don't like. And it's like, well, if 50 percent of listeners say they like it and the other 50 percent say that they don't like it, what do I do? (laughs) So, So I've just kind of kept it because I know there are people out there who do. Um, and obviously, the obligatory Keanu reference is something that I do like to do every episode. Uh, I've been doing that since, I think, episode 12 or 13. And I just it's getting harder to link him to every movie. But every movie I link to Keanu Reeves in some way, whether it's obvious, whether it's ludicrous. Uh, Keanu always gets a mention on my podcast because he is the best of men. And now I've mentioned him on this podcast. So, you know, we've gone full circle. Um, when but- yeah, it's the the structure for the podcast has to be kind of semi set so that when it does come to recording and editing and stuff like that, I then find it so much easier to, you know, if I make a mistake, um, move stuff around. I mentioned before we started recording the software that I use, which is really cool, really innovative, can't even say the word, innovative software called Descript, which yeah. records and transcribes and... um. To me, the recording and the editing is fairly easy, I'll be honest, because I'm a solo hosted show. Oh, yeah, I make mistakes occasionally. I I bumble at words all the time, but I edit it out so that no one knows. I should do outtakes because some of the ways that I say words are really hilarious on occasion. Um, But the recording and the editing actually doesn't take very long. The research and the, the write-ups of the episodes. Um, so I I say that my episodes are semi-scripted. And what I mean by that is I write down all my research in, in a way that I can then read back, but I can also ad-lib yep. as and when I want to as well. Um, and I, I try and make episodes a mix of both. So a mix of what I've actually written and a bit of ad-lib at the same time, because I feel like that's a bit more of my personality um, as much as I can do, because, you know, it's really hard hosting a show on your own. Uh, it's so much easier when you host with another person and you can bounce off that person. And yeah, yeah it's sometimes it's really difficult to do it on your own. Um, but I think, I think I've sussed it now in that I, I like to think that I'm engaging. Um, I don't want to be monotone. I don't want to be boring. I want people to walk away from the experience and go, yeah, I enjoyed that. I learned something. That's fundamentally all I want is, yeah, I enjoyed it. I learned something. To me, that's pretty cool. Uh, that's what I want from podcasts. I want to enjoy them. And ideally, I want to learn something from them. So, um, so yeah, recording and editing is pretty straightforward as far as I'm concerned. It's all of the other stuff before that that tends to be the most time consuming and, and most difficult for me but you know for a lot of other podcasts it's probably the other way around because if you're a a film review podcast you go to the cinema with a couple of friends and then you talk about the movie your editing and your recording is going to take longer because you're obviously chatting with your mates and I really enjoyed this movie because of x reason and y reason and then you've got to edit it all down so uh so yeah it's different for different podcasts I think yeah, absolutely. Uh, where was I going to go with that? So, uh, I mean, that that reminds me, I'm going, I'm going to do another one here. So, uh, I, I love the uh, the story of Alfred Hitchcock, for instance, who used to say famously that 
once he started making the film, that was the less that was the part that he liked the least because to him, he'd already made the film with all of the preps that he'd done beforehand. He, I think he said something about that that he'd already in his head he'd already made the film, and because he'd storyboarded it, he was one of the first people to actually do use storyboarding in his films. Uh, that was always interesting with with Hitchcock, but that brings me on to something that you've mentioned a few times now. I like the um, the backstory that you get into of films a lot, and uh, like with the Hustlers, for instance, mm-hmm. that's got a really long history to it. Of that, it took an age for the film to actually get out there, and yeah. it was only because of essentially getting J-Lo in the film yep. that it, that anything came of it, really. Yeah, and you, that, that story, stories like that happen so often. Um, you'll have a script that will sit there in development hell for years and years. Um, and, you know, when it comes to a movie like Hustlers, which is an incredible movie, uh, you know, completely, um, pretty much a complete female cast in that movie, uh, directed by a woman, written by a woman, you know, starring women. Evie, don't do that. She's attacking the microphone. Um, Give her a microphone of her own. <laughs> she would like that, actually. Uh, she's very sweet. Um, yeah, it it's very rare that movies like that even get made, especially when the subject matter is strippers. Yep. And especially even more so when the subject matter is a real-life true crime story about strippers. Yep. Um, and I must admit, it not only... Not only do I have huge respect for for Jennifer Lopez just generally, I absolutely adore that woman, but also gave me a huge amount of additional respect for the stripping community. Yeah. You know, by researching a movie like that and you realise how much work goes into not only making a movie about strippers, but stripping. Yeah. And you don't think of stuff like that. You watch a movie like Hustlers and you go, yeah, I enjoyed that movie about, you know, real life story about these strippers who conned these rich white men. Yeah, yeah that was fun. But the idea of, of what these women were doing for a living, the athleticism involved with these women, um, it's honestly, it's 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 awe-inspiring stuff. And it's it's made even more interesting from the fact that, uh, you know, if you People who are strippers, uh, people who are sex workers, all, you know, they are generally seen as, as, you know, quote unquote, lesser in society because they are strippers and sex workers. But these women, they are just the most incredible women. Uh, you know, the, it's a real true life story as well. Uh, I'm always awed by the information that I find out about movies and I always want to know more. Always. Uh, and yeah, you've got to love Jennifer Lopez. She's an absolute queen. Um, just think she's amazing. Uh, a huge, I'm a huge fan of uh, Jennifer Lopez. And yeah, she was absolutely integral to that role. And just imagine how different that movie would have been if Martin Scorsese had directed. It yeah. would be completely different. And that is the power of what Lorenz Scafaria wanted to do and what she worked so hard to get done um so yeah um always in awe of amazing women who get shit done excuse my language yep but then you know you've got a lot of those people like like her like her that made that film you know were like um you go back to the 70s and you get filmmakers like uh michael Cimino 
for instance, who, I mean, he initially started as like, you know, he, he wrote, uh, he wrote the script for the deer hunter and things like that. And then when, when he wanted to go into actually making a film, it was the same thing there where they were saying, look, you're a good writer, but we think this director would be good for this film. And it was like, they were trying to sideline him to just be in this. And it was like, no, I want to actually make this film. And that's got an interesting story behind it where, uh, because he, he was, he wrote a script for a film that was going to be made. Um, I think it was the Iger sanction that he did. I think that might've been it. And he had Clint Eastwood in that. And Clint Eastwood was just saying, said to the people, because he was cast for the film anyway. And they were thinking, oh, we'll get Clint to direct it, you know, because Clint with his directing. And, uh, and as they, built a rapport between him and Simono, Simino, I mean, he he just said to the studio, he just said, I don't care what you think. It, it might actually have not been that. It was a, it was an Eastwood film because I know Eastwood went back to the film studio and just said to them, no, he's right to direct this film. Just let me be the actor this time and a producer behind it. I'll make sure the film gets made, but he's the man for making the film. And it's, it's like that with the, you know, pushing like J-Lo pushing that this is the right person to do this, this, that and the other. And it's good when you get stories like that. Yeah. It's always fascinating that sometimes it just takes the absolute tenacity of one person to get something done. Um, yeah, it blows my mind all the time, every single time. Yeah, And then there's that, that famous story as well um, of Kevin Costner where he had somebody working in his house doing some work and they they sort of like passed him a script. And he says, oh, he said, I don't know whether you'd be interested, but he says, you know, I wrote this script. He says, and he says, I've I've took it around studios and there's been no interest, this, that, and the other. And, 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 and you know, Costner being his normal, nice self, you know, he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever, you know, I'll have a look at that or whatever. And he sort of like, he said, you know, he, he just tossed it aside somewhere, Costner did. And then... I think he said something like three or four years down the down the down the road, he actually got this script out, and he just and he said he couldn't stop reading it, and that ended up being Dancers with Wolves, mm. which won a load of Oscars. So yeah, did okay. And this was a person who was just doing some maintenance work on his house. Yeah. So, right, we're here now. The show music. That show music rocks big time. <laughs> I know. I know. It's wicked, isn't it? I always say, you know, come for the theme music, stay for the content. Um, because, yeah, the theme song was probably the best thing that I ever invested in for the podcast, actually. Because that wasn't there from the start. That was, I think, episode 13 was the first one to use that theme music. Um, and again, that theme music was exactly what I wanted. Um, I, it was actually a collaboration between uh, myself and my cousin. Um, so me and my cousin, we wrote the lyrics. Uh, she wrote the music. Um, and then her friend produced it in his studio. Um, and yeah, it's it's incredible. Uh, I, I love my theme music. And um, it's, it's such a shame, really, because I've created this independent podcast awards. And we have a category, a free category for best podcast jingle. Uh, obviously, I'm involved in the awards, so I'm ineligible to enter. Um, but 
yeah, I would have loved the opportunity to enter best podcast jingle, but alas, uh, it it's going to be one of those that I'm never going to win an award for my podcast jingle, but some other lucky podcasts will, and that's the main thing. But yeah, I'm very proud of my jingle. Yep, and then you've got the. Uh, um, do you know what? I'm not even going to going to mention my artwork. Uh, then you've got that great logo of yours as well, with the with the person in the cinema with the popcorn. Yeah. So again, that that was just something that I designed and put together. Um, and yeah, it was just this faceless woman in a cinema with her mouth open wide, going, "Oh my god, what? What? This is amazing." Um, and yeah, it was important to me that she didn't have a face because not that I hide my face intentionally, but it's obviously not me in the photo. It is a stock image. Yeah. Uh, so I went onto Canva and I bought a stock image and um, yeah, I, I designed it. And I've thought over the years of, you know, reinventing it, but I kind of like the simplicity of it. The fact that it, it does kind of exactly what it says on the tin. It is me. I am a woman. I'm on my own. Uh, and I watch movies uh, and I'm fascinated by them. Hence the open mouth, gawpy, oh my God, kind of uh, uh, facial expression that the the girl in the, in the logo has. And I've just kind of summarised exactly what I do perfectly. Um, it's exactly the same with the theme music. I feel like that summarises me pretty perfectly. Um, the verbal diorama is completely me. It's it's all me. Um, and it's really important that it represents me. Um, you know, maybe, I think, yeah, you could argue that the logo is very simple, but, you know, the host is very simple. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it makes a lot of sense. Um, but, you know, the music is flamboyant. So it, it maybe that just shows how flamboyant I am. But... Um, yeah, um, I'm very proud of both, I'll be honest. We, we can't all be Dan Snow and those people that can speak for England and, you know, have, have voices that are, you know, perfect. Swine. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I do try. Well, I, I don't know, you know. I mean, I mean, a lot of Americans will say about me, and uh, and certainly Sean, who does review it yourself, because he's incredibly northern, uh, and they'll say, "Oh, we like listening to your voices because they're different." And yeah. you know, I think it's the difference. That's what I was getting at, uh, getting earlier, and I never said it was that. I think it's the difference that attracts people to podcast. Really, it's the difference between people, and it's that person's own personality and their voice that in it, that actually brings you to basically subscribing to a show and constantly listening to it. Yeah, absolutely. It's got to be kind of based on that, the host's personality, uh, you know, and whatever accent and all of that. I mean, Americans have always loved my accent. Uh, I always get so much feedback from American listeners about they, they love the accent. And I'm just like sitting here, I'm in the Midlands and you know, to me, I've got a pretty normal voice, yeah. <laughs> but Apparently, it's nice to some people, so I'll take it. <laughs> I'm not going to go, ah, no, it's okay, thanks. No, I'm going to take the compliment, thank you. Well, I'm from Nottinghamshire, so uh, so there you go. Have you got any standout moments from your show? Oh, so many. So many. Um, 
I mean, there's been some episodes that I just always kind of stand out to me as as just being so so joyous for different reasons. Um, I mean, I've I've mentioned Terminator Two Judgment Day a lot. Uh, you know, that episode is very special. Um, but even like episodes like That Thing You Do, which is such a an underrated comedy movie, I just adored talking about that thing you do it's i i love that movie so much yeah but you know beetlejuice was a fun episode to do because i could actually have a bit of fun with the whole beetlejuice thing uh, i had a lot of fun doing that hmm. um really for me the standout moments for this podcast have kind of been the stuff that happens outside of the podcast more than anything because you know i've i do a lot of work with film stories i do you know bits and pieces for Simon Brew. I've written some articles. One of my favourite articles I ever wrote for film stories was about Grease 2, which is the superior Grease. I uh, love that movie. Um, but also, I've had a magazine column in the film stories magazine for, well, 30, I think it's 33 issues now. And that column is really important to me because it's a column about independent podcasting. And it basically talks about everything to do with independent podcasting. Um, And, you know, to have that opportunity to, you know, from Simon, because obviously Simon gave me a magazine column, knowing very little about me. uh, And, you know, having that platform, that kind of place where I can talk about whatever, uh, however the podcast is doing. I talk about the podcast. I talk about being a podcaster all of the different things that go into podcasting. Um, And yeah, I've been doing that for 30, I think 33 issues now. Um, And that's, that's a joy. And I, it's one of those things that probably will end eventually, but I don't know when, because I'm just still loving it so much. Um, I've also done a live show with Simon as well. We did a live show together in Birmingham um, for Film Stories Live. And that was wonderful too. Uh, I've, never done a live show before so it was really nice to do it with Simon um I've been the podcast has been featured on podcast radio I think three times now um and just the various collaborations that I've done over the years the probably the most important one for me is uh the live stream for the cure so it's a charity uh, event that I've been doing uh for the last three years and I'm always very keen to get involved in charity events and you know, raising money for charity is really important to me. Um, but, you know, standout moments is collaborating with other podcasts, getting to know other podcasters. I've met some wonderful people. I've appeared on multiple podcasts several times uh, because I love the hosts so much. They're genuine friends. Um, and, you know, they support me and I support them. And it's, yeah, it's just, I know we've talked about community, but it is genuinely such a wonderful community. And it's a worldwide community as well uh and that just makes it even more special so i I was looking up somebody i know who also does something for that same charity and i can't remember his name now oh so many podcasts are involved in live stream for the cure this there's there's huge numbers of podcasts that do it i literally one of so many but i'm always so happy to do it every year because nick haskins who runs live stream for the cure is such an amazing man uh genuinely love him will do anything for him um he's got a wonderful voice as well he's one of those podcasters with such a 
lovely voice to listen to. But yeah, I adore Nicholas and I would literally do anything he asked. And I mean anything. <laughs> um, he's wonderful and he does so much work for charity and it's just wonderful to be a part of that community and to help raise money. And um, But yeah, there's so many standout moments. It's It's been an amazing four and a half years. Yeah, it's amazing what happens when you go into the podcasting world and the people that you, that you meet and, you know, beforehand, you didn't know any of these people. I know. Yeah. Nikolai's Kitchen. That yes. Nikolai, he does, he does uh, charity work for the for that charity. Yeah, that's Nick Haskins. Yes. Yeah. That's Nick Haskins. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, slaps head in those doors. <laughs> you know. So let's have a look at this then. M's Five Under the Radar. Yeah. So five films that have gone under the radar, you think, that people oh God. should not ignore and should check out. So, I mean, I, I've probably mentioned quite a few of these already. Uh, it was really hard to put this list together. This is, out of all of the questions that you sent over, this was the one that really struggled because there's so many under the radar, underappreciated movies. But I basically thought, well, what have I done episodes on? Um and again, I mean, I've done over 200 episodes, so there's, there's more than five out there. But um, ultimately, I came down to a list that I was reasonably happy with. That thing you do was on the list. I took it off because I was like, well, I think most people know that thing you do. And if you don't, then you should because it's wonderful. Um, I've also mentioned, oh, hi, Evie, she's back again. I've also mentioned um, Josie and the, excuse me, don't knock my mic. Uh, Josie and the Pussycats. Speaking of Pussycats, she's here. Um, again, wonderful under the radar movie that you should absolutely check out. But the ones that I'm going to be going for um, are, move out of the way, Evie. Um, so the first one, the one that I always go to first whenever anyone brings this question up is an animated movie by the studio Laika. Uh, now, Laika are very reasonably well known for movies like Coraline, uh, Missing Link, which um, won an Oscar, I believe. Good film. Oh. I like Missing Link. Now, the greatest film they've ever done is one that is not often very talked about, uh, but it is genuinely one of the most beautiful movies ever made. It's the best Laika movie, and that is Kubo and the Two Strings. Yeah. Uh, it is an incredible movie, an incredible achievement by Laika. Laika are a studio that never make money. But luckily... They are. They were founded by the son of the head of Nike. So they've got loads of money. Uh, they very rarely make money. But Kubo and the Two Strings is phenomenal. Um, so that's my first under the radar. My second one is, again, a movie that didn't do very well. Uh, it's extremely violent, hyper-violent, complete opposite of Kubo uh, on the violence level. Um and I think because it was technically a remake of a movie that came out about 15, I'm going to say 15 years previous, uh, I think it flew under the radar. And that movie is um, Dread. Yep. Dread yep. is terrific. It's got an absolute stellar performance um, by Carl Urban. Uh, he is Dread. There is yep. no other Dread. Sylvester Stallone is not Dread. Carl Urban is Dread. And it's absolutely wonderful uh truly astonishingly brilliant very violent sci-fi movie but 
again, it's one of those that just flew under the radar for so many people. Yep. Um, it, it reminded me very much of the 2000 AD comics that I read when I was yes. a kid, because that was where Jed, Dread was from. Yeah. And I mean, I did an episode on Dread. It was, I've done episodes on all of these, by the way, but Dread was one of the first episodes that I ever did. And kind of going to the history of 2000 AD and all of that, it's, I mean, these are British comics as well. This is British uh, comic history on screen. Um, but it's just such an incredible movie. So beautiful, so poetic um, and so underrated. Um, you know, the legacy of that movie is fascinating because there were fans, you know, demanding that the movie, you know, get re-released because they loved it so much. You know, the Bring Back Dread, there was a hashtag Bring Back Dread and all of that. It's just amazing, amazing um, fan reaction, but just general audiences just seem to miss it. Um, the next one under the radar, I think is a lot more well-known nowadays than it was, but it's still far too under the radar. And that is another animated movie. It's by Brad Bird, the same guy who did The Incredibles. And it's uh, 1999's The Iron Giant, yeah. which is one of the greatest animated movies ever made. And I know I said that about Kubo, but again, The Iron Giant is phenomenal. It's a beautiful movie. It's tragic. It's lovely. It's beautifully animated. The problem that The Iron Giant had was it came out at a time when CG animation was really kind of kicking off. And because it's kind of part CG, part traditional, it it struggled. It really struggled with its marketing. It really struggled to find that initial audience. But it's wonderful. Um, and, you know, it fundamentally asks the question, um, a very important question about, you know, well, if what if a gun, you know, didn't actually want to be a gun? You know, yep. it's like the he he was made to be a weapon, but he doesn't want to be a weapon. Yep. Um, and you know, going against his own programming, and and I just think it's incredible. Um, genuinely one of the most incredible movies that I think anyone will ever see. Um and I wanted to stick with the sci-fi theme because there is another movie that I covered. Um, this is a live action movie, and it feels so prescient to modern life in so many ways. Um, and that is Children of Men. Uh, Children of Men is, again, a not very well-known movie. It's got Clive Owen, excuse me, Clive Owen um, starring in that movie. Sorry, my voice is going. <laughs> um, but it's basically about a future where babies are no longer being born. Um, there's a worldwide fertility crisis. Um, the last baby was born like 18 years previously to when the movie was set. And humanity has to come to terms with the fact that everyone's going to die. Um, and then, you know, miraculously, uh, a woman is found pregnant and she has to be kind of helped to safety. Um, and interestingly as well, you know, the, the woman who is pregnant is a black woman, which yeah. I think is also in, in incredibly prescient. Um, you know, when we're talking about characters of colour in movies and about how important it is to have diversity in our movies. Um, but the fertility rate across the world is dropping. And that's not necessarily through, you know, any kind of scientific kind of maleficent scientific reason or anything like that. Um, but, you know, so many people just 
can't afford to have children because everything's expensive and people are choosing to put off having children. People are choosing to not have children. And, you know, the future in children of men is, I think, closer than many of us believe it to be. Uh, and that's why I love Children of Men. And it's a great movie and it's very well made. Some great um, shots in that movie as well. And the final one, I thought I'd go for a nice foreign film because who doesn't like foreign? Um, I'm a huge fan of uh, South Korean cinema. I've not seen that much South Korean cinema, but what I have seen, I absolutely love. And one of my favourite movies that have, that's come out of South Korea is the movie Train to Busan, yep. which is a zombie movie. But I like that it's not about the zombies. It's basically about interpersonal relationships. It's about family. It's about supporting each other. It's about the human condition. It's about society. It's about, you know, when you're when society is under attack or under pressure, like how people band together and, you know, how you get all these different factions of people attacking each other. Um, so the zombies are there and they're dangerous and they're really creepy. But it's not about the zombies. It's about these groups of people and about how they react to each other and about how initially no one trusts each other um, and about how, you know, misinformation spreads among the train. And honestly, it's an amazing movie. And one of the things I love about Train to Busan is they were going to remake it in America and they were going to call it The Last Train to New York. And I'm sorry, but there is no way that Hollywood could make a movie like Train to Busan, like Train to Busan. Train to Busan is perfect. Sometimes you don't need to remake something for an American audience. Sometimes you just need to watch a movie and read the subtitles because Train to Busan is genuinely a perfect movie. Um, I cry so much at the end of that movie. It's just genuinely emotional and heartbreaking. And, you know, you're with those characters for the whole of that train journey and... It's incredibly emotionally, you, you get so emotionally attached to each of those characters. And yeah, it's a phenomenal movie. So they're my five. Kubo and the Two Strings, Dread, The Iron Giant, Children of Men and Train to Busan. Yep. That, that, that <laughs> last one you've just mentioned, you know, uh, Train to Busan, that reminds me of, um, so I, I have a problem with a lot of this, you know, where they will shall we say, American studios will get a um, the rights to be able to do an Americanized version of a really good um, foreign film. And sometimes, a lot of the time, I don't think it works a lot. It's, it's, like, it's like British television shows that get end up going to America. 90% of those just don't work when they, when they translate over to there. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I would say that one that's the one that one of those that does work that's a that was that was an Americanized version of a film would be the um, so Alejandro Amenabar made a film in 1997, the Spanish film Open Your Eyes. Yeah, uh, which incidentally did have Penelope Cruz in the film. Yeah, I know what you're um, going to talk about. Yeah, and. I think that Cameron Crowe did a fantastic Americanized version of it with Vanilla Sky. Vanilla Sky, starring, yeah. Starring Tom Cruise that had also had Penelope, yeah, Penelope Cruise in it and Cameron Diaz. And I think that's actually really good. Yeah. One of those rarities where it's worked. Yeah. I mean, I'd also maybe put The Departed in there as well, because I think The Departed is a genuinely excellent film. Um 
I've not seen the original. I think it's called uh, Internal Affairs, the original. Um, I, I'm not 100%. But, um, yeah, The Departed is an absolutely phenomenal film. But I think you're right. I think most of the time Hollywood studios just, like with Train to Busan, they'd see, oh, zombies on a train. Yeah, let's make that. But it's not about that. They they just wouldn't get it. Um there's something about foreign cinema, specifically Korean cinema, also Japanese cinema as well, that the movies are so entrenched in their cultures, their values, you know, yeah. what they want to see. Um, and of course, it's going to be different to what American audiences want to see, because American audiences want to see, you know, Michael Bay blow stuff up in a Transformers movie. They don't necessarily want to see interpersonal conflict and relationships. But that's what makes movies like Train to Busan so excellent, is it really focuses on that really important part of the story. Like I say, it's got zombies. It's not about the zombies. They're just there. It's just like they're, they're no, you could have the movie without the zombies. And, okay, you take away quite a lot of the, the, the point of why they're kind of, you know, huddled together on a train. But the zombies themselves are just incendiary they're they're just there um but yeah the american version would just be all about the fact that there are zombies on a train um it would completely miss the point it is very rare that you will find an american remake that is better than or you know surpasses or equals the original sometimes you do but i think it's very rare me too so what advice would you give to anybody wanting to start their own podcast I, I think it's just the bare bones advice that I would give is just do it. I know it sounds like disingenuous, like, oh, just do it. You know, I'm not, I don't mean it like that. But what I mean is anything that's stopping you, anything that's niggling at you or making you think I can't do it, I don't know what I'm doing or, you know, any any kind of negative thing that you're thinking all I would say is don't worry because there are so many people out there who are, happy to give advice, willing to give advice. The podcast community is excellent just generally, but don't be put off. I think there are a lot of people who are put off because podcasts already exist. Um, There was uh, an interesting uh, little exchange that went on on Twitter. Um, There's uh, a woman, uh, a film writer, actually, who's planning to start her own podcast. Um, And it's basically uh, a podcast about uh, certain years of film and she's really excited about it she's been planning it for a while she's been trying to get guests involved and someone has basically tagged another podcast and said oh you know well it sounds a lot like you're trying to copy the format of this podcast um and I kind of felt a little bit taken aback by that because first of all you know this this is a solo woman trying to get into podcasting. Um, She should not be put off by, let's be honest, men, men in podcasting were the ones who were coming at her and saying, well, this already exists. So why are you bothering? And second of all, there's plenty of room at the table for everyone. And like we kind of alluded to at the the start, there's a common misconception that more podcasts is bad, but I completely disagree. Yeah. The more podcasts we have, the better it's going to be for everybody, including podcasts, including listeners. And it really kind of annoyed me a little bit that she was being singled out as 
oh, well, why are you starting the podcast that's just like this one? But you know what? Her podcast is going to be completely different because it's going to be her. It's going to be her and her guest giving their opinions on whatever they talk about, whatever year of film they choose to talk about. So it is going to be different because the fundamental difference is it's going to be hosted by her and not by these these other podcasters. That's the difference. And, you know, I think that there's when you start um, gatekeeping genres of podcasts, oh, well, you know, that's like me saying that no other film history podcast can exist because, well, I've got that part of the market covered. But you know what? That'd be really boring. If, yeah. only, if people yeah. only could listen to me and no one else, they'd just be really dull, you know? Um, I would much prefer a scenario where there's a hundred different film history podcasts out there, which there are probably more than that, to be honest. Yeah. But, you know, I'm going to be bolstered by those other podcasts because they're going to listen to their whatever podcast they listen to, and maybe they'll then find me or vice versa. Um, because if you want to listen to a film history podcast, well, that's great because there's so many options out there. And so what I would say is don't be put off by the fact that there are other podcasts out there that maybe do something similar. Because if you want to get out there and you've got, it's you and a couple of mates, you want to watch movies and then you want to sit in your living room and review them. Well, that's great. You should absolutely do that. I'm using film podcasts because that's what I know. But whatever genre it is, yes, there will be other podcasts out there that cover similar topics or that talk about similar things. But what makes it unique is the fact that it's you. You are the only version of you that exists. Even if you've got a twin sibling and you genetically are identical, you are still the only version of you that exists. So every podcast is different. Every podcast, there is space for everyone. So I will always I will always put it out there and say that if anyone does want to start a podcast and they don't know what to do and they're unsure, feel free to hit me up on social media um, or you can email me or whatever. Um, and I will help you. I'm happy to I'm happy to spare a couple of, you know, an hour or so of my time and talk you through it and talk you through some different options. And, you know, because to be honest. You don't need an expensive mic. You don't need expensive hardware. You can just do it on your phone if you want to. You know, people who say you need a 500 pound mic. Nah, you really don't. I don't have a 500 pound mic and I'm doing fine. So, you know. If, if anyone wants help, I'm more than happy to help them is basically what I'm saying. But please, please, if you want to do it, just do it. Don't put it off. And most of all, you know, don't don't wait for your granddad to pass away before you do it. Because honestly, before, before he died, I would have loved the opportunity to have said to him, look at what I've done, granddad, and to show him. And just say, you know, I know he wouldn't have understood, uh, but just, you know, maybe put some headphones on him and say, Grandad, listen to this episode. And you know what? He would have had a field day listening to my voice. He would have thought the world and he would have thought it was incredible. And my one regret, and I don't do regrets very often, but my one regret on that would be I wish I'd done it before he died. So then he would have known about it. Um, But, you know, that that's life. That's that's the way things happen. But don't put it off. Because the more you put it off, 
the more excuses you'll give yourself not to do it. And there are no excuses. If you've got the time, if you've got the patience, if you've got what you want to do in your brain, then just do it. Just get it out there. You've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. I was fighting it for about 10 years. Somebody well, mentioned somebody mentioned me in about 2010. We well, should try this thing called podcasting. Yeah. And you, you wish you'd done it, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wish I'd have been one of those from back then. Yeah. Really. I really do. So you've mentioned people can contact you. So yeah. how can they contact you and where can they find the show? Oh, and you need to tell people where to go for the independent podcast awards as well. So much for you to do here. Yeah? I know it's like it's like doing a, an actual episode of my podcast really um, now for, for today's info dump <laughs> so you can find all of the information that you need about the independent podcast awards um about how to enter about criteria um about well about the podcast awards itself about how it came up um and about um how you can apply for the podcasting seriously fund all of that information is on the uh, website independentpodcastawards.com um it's all there as i said the uh entry dates has been extended to the 14th of july 2023 so there's plenty of time for people to get their entries in um and there's plenty of time for people to apply for that funding as well if they want to. Uh, where people can find me, well, you know, Verbal Diorama is everywhere on your podcast app of choice. Um, I personally use Pocket Casts because I think it's a really great app. But, um, yeah, any app you can find me, just search for Verbal Diorama um, and then click the subscribe button, obviously, because, you know, you're going to want to. Um but, you know, if you want to find me on social media, um, because I chose a weird name for my podcast, uh, it's the same everywhere. So just at Verbal Diorama, uh, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of the regular places that people are, even on the little the little uh, social medias that no one uses, like Spoutable uh, and stuff like that. I'm on there, too. So, you know, wherever you want to find uh, Verbal Diorama, you can find me. And, um, yeah, just just get in touch. Uh, my DMs are open. They always are open. So yeah, just hit me up on my DMs and, uh, or you can just pop me an email, which is just verbaldiorama at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, all of the information is always in the show notes, um, on episodes. So if you get stuck, then just have a look on the show notes and you'll find, um, this <laughs> Amy's jumped up again. Um, yeah, she, she's a bit of a weird cat. Um, yeah. And Honestly, anyone can get in touch with me. I'm more than happy to talk to anyone. Okay. Thank you for speaking with me today, Em. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a genuine joy to speak to you, Marv. And, and thank you so much for inviting me on as well. It's honestly, I love talking to people. So um, yeah, it's been wonderful. Thank you. Same. I feel the same way. You can find pods like us on uh, oh, blimey, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, same here. M mine is my just look for at pods like us. It's the same everywhere. I, I don't know how I did it. I just found a <laughs> podcasting name that nobody else has got, which is very difficult to do. It is at the moment. But, you know, like I say, don't let that put you off. If you want a podcast, you'll find a name that suits you. So just go for it. Chatterpod was taken. Was it really? Yes. So, uh, I think Pods Like Us is better anyway. Yeah, it's a great name. 
Uh, so, and you can also contact me through podslikers at gmail.com. Anyway, thank you everyone for listening and hope you listen again to another episode of Pods Like Us. Thank you.